0: Hello and welcome to the Leaderverse, where we're having a different conversation around leadership with your hosts Drew Lee, Lucas Sheridan, and me, Jesse Button. Today, we have a very special interview with our beloved co-host, Coach Drew Lee. Not only do you guys get to hear all about the leadership lessons that he's gleaned from all the way back in the fourth grade walkout that he staged through his military career to his days now as the highly accomplished human performance focused coach that he is, you also get to hear the questions that we want you to lean into as leaders as you're hiring talent to your team. Folks, welcome to the LeaderVerse.
1: So, Drew, tell sure. us a little bit about your career. How did how, you start out out of your last education?
2: Well, you, you mentioned high school. So uh, that was an interesting journey. That's when I, I I first, reflecting back, realized I make really poor decisions when I make them alone. So uh, I didn't graduate mm-hmm. high school. I actually, I uh, people call it dropped out. But what it really means is you're invited to never come back the next day. <laughs> So, so i was i was a 15 year old high school freshman that was invited not to return
1: wow and so what did you do for education or did you just stop there go get a job learn how to work what did you do
2: you know it's a combination of things i i, I got a i got an education in hard knocks you uh of, of yeah. stupid is yeah. as stupid does um, and i'm gonna go with forrest gump's education and uh i went and yeah. got a job when i was 16 got my first job i was uh flipping burgers uh, because that's about all a 16 year old high school dropouts qualified to do. And I wasn't really good at that. And uh, in that process, you know, it's kind of funny. I always, I always kind of bucked the education system. And what I noticed about it is if you were, if you were intelligent uh, and not well behaved, then there was going to be a penalty. So if you learn the material quickly or rapidly, And you were ready to move on and you didn't move on fast enough. You know, myself, I got bored and I got bored and I became a distraction. And then I became a problem kid. And so rather than what would have actually helped is putting me in advanced courses that would have kind of like stimulated me and kept me kept me engaged. I was kind of kid that was four plus four equals eight. Great. Move on. Got it. Now, look, we're going to spend the next two weeks talking about why four plus four is eight. And I was over it. So, and then once you're a once you're a kind of a problematic kid, um, you have to be well behaved to get advanced courses. You're not going to be rewarded for bad behavior. So it just elevates. I think this over time. is really key
1: because, yeah, Drew, I think that this is so key because there are parents listening to this saying, "Man, I got a quote problem child that the child's been labeled as a problem," yeah. and it, it's usually not. It's a it's a bored kid. It's a very intelligent kid. I mean, we're talking to one of the premier coaches in the entire industry who did not cut it at school only because he was bored, he was intelligent. And he's, uh, Drew, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but you probably have a pretty quick tongue and you probably say things that, uh, because you're, you're, and you're a renegade, you're a maverick. But here's the thing, what business leader ever has not been a renegade or a maverick and is completely compliant? School teaches, here's the thing, and I'm not anti-academia, school teaches us to be compliant. Do this, this, and this, and then we're going to test you with what we think you should know, and yes. we're going to give you a grain. You yes. kind of had the makeup of a business leader then, so you're a um, you're you're a person who got uninvited to school, which I, I like that. And, <laughs> and my so, biggest
2: accomplishment so, at that point is I staged a uh, a mass walkout strike when I was in fourth grade, and and uh, that was a fun phone call for my parents. It was like, all right, so uh, the kids refused to come in from recess uh because because your son is ex, is orchestrated a a mass protest uh based on the way the teachers are treating them what's funny is we lived in london at the time and and there was a this was during the 80s and it was a, a mass coal miner strike and it was it was on the news every single day and i and i was like oh yeah. so if you don't like what's going on or you don't like the the those in power this is exactly what you do so my my fourth grade self said oh yeah We don't, I don't like that. Hey, do you guys like that? No. Well then we should not go back in school.
1: Jesse, we have the Nelson Mandela of the fourth grade. Yes. We have Nelson Mandela right here. We have Martin Luther King right here. That's awesome. Fourth grade people unite around recess
0: (laughs) needs to be extended. I'm listening to this this story as the parent getting the phone call, and I'm just thinking, how could I not stand up and cheer for my kid at that point? Like, <laughs> I know bad, bad. You shouldn't have done that, right. But awesome. I applaud you.
1: We get through the whole school career. What did you what was your first major professional decision? What did you decide to do?
2: Well, I honestly, it goes around school because once once I was free to learn on my own and not have the the constraints or the, you know, put in a box, yeah. circle this, put it on a Scantron um, and I could pick up a book because I wanted to, not because I had to. And I got to choose go. kind of choose your own education. Um, I, I took up a fascination for reading. And, and I think my stubbornness really fed really well into that is because, you know, I knew there was information in books that I wanted to get out of it. And I'm not actually yeah. that avid of, a, or, huge of a reader. Like people might think um, I'm just more stubborn. So I want the information and knowledge that's in those books uh, to further myself. So that, that kind of took on a, a whole life of its own as I started reading, I started uh, learning. I got my GED when I was, when I was 18. And that was um, I went and took it the first time, no study. And I passed it. I was I was excited. I also no really question the educational system if a fifteen year old that goes and read books on his own can go past the the GED without without really really studying for it. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. uh, I enrolled in, of course, the only college you can get into with a good enough diploma is junior college. So I enrolled in yeah. junior college, and that started kind of my professional trajectory of. I knew everything that I was going to achieve. It had to come in the form of some some form of knowledge. So, what did you do after you got out of junior college? What was your first professional move? What did What did you do career wise? Join the military because I was I was waiting tables at two different restaurants and delivering newspapers. So I had three jobs while paying for college, and I was as broke as a human being can be broke. I mean, I was I was ramen rice broke. And, there um, you go. And I remember I was I was waiting tables at at, at Cracker Barrel, everyone's favorite stop on the interstate. Uh-huh. Uh, and they don't tip very well. So if you go to Cracker Barrel, make sure you tip extremely well because they don't they don't uh, most people don't tend to tend to tip very well at at those restaurants. And I, I had a bad shift. I had a bad day, and I, I called the Navy recruiter on my break and said, "What time you done?" He said, five o'clock. Great. I get off here at noon between shifts and between two, my two jobs. Uh, I'll stop by. And I think I I think I'd enlisted in the Navy uh, within, within 24 hours. And what did you do in the Navy, buddy? Uh, the The most boring job humanly possible. I was I was an uh, aviation meteorology. So there's a thing in leadership that you that it's, it's I think it's a struggle for leaders is you find somebody with the aptitude or the intelligence to do a job. And this is, the, and everyone can relate to this, is you want something worse for them than they want for themselves. Because yeah. there's this thing called desire. You have the desire to to improve at something you're doing. And uh, meteorology is fascinating as it might sound for those that like the Weather Channel and, and, and they like really cool things. Uh, Cool weather only happens about three percent of the time, so you still have the same yeah. job ninety-seven percent of the time. That is absolutely, yeah. in my eyes, completely boring. So I had the intelligence and I had the uh, what they considered the aptitude for it, but I had zero desire. Got it. And did
1: you do that for the full time you're in the uh, in the Navy? It I did, I did that for,
2: yes, I did that for for six years. Um, while I was active duty and then, um, and then I did two years in the reserves and the two years in the reserves was actually fun because I switched, I switched career jobs and I did, a I did, uh, legal work, uh, for criminal defense on the, on the Navy JAG side. So that was, that was really, I, I probably would have done, made a Naval career if I'd done that the entire time.
1: Mm. What do you think looking back on it, six years in the Navy, what do you think the biggest life lesson
2: you took from that time period was? maturity you know I, what I does that up, mean well I just grew up you know I was I was obviously I was uh, I had some immaturity I, I socially you know not going to school educationally I don't feel like I missed much math was you know kind of a challenge because I didn't have that foundation but educationally I learned a lot from life and mm-hmm. and life taught me some some really valuable lessons of what to do and what not to do so
1: what's what's like one lesson of what to do that you learned as you quote got mature? Because I think Jesse and I probably would debate whether or not you learn maturity at all there, but you know, that's another podcast altogether. <laughs> what, but never, never stop what did learning. you learn to do? I think yeah, never for one
2: never stop learning.
1: That's too well, that's, too you, well. that's too you know, the,
2: the military if one, they too teach you that you're gonna be rewarded based on your behavior or your evaluations. And then, based on your knowledge, because you know you have a a proficiency exam uh, based on longevity in the military to advance in rank, and it's based on uh, your knowledge or your mastery of your craft.
0: Around leadership, like what what would you say the mil- the military taught you about leadership, good or bad?
2: My experience that many of the people I seem to work for were rewarded for the the boxes that they checked and the conformity that they had Mm -hmm. and and you'll you know if you're a conformist and you're intelligent you're going to do really well in the military environment and clearly from my from my schooling and my previous history uh and my questioning of authority and those roles in
1: i'm still seeing a group of fourth graders picketing outside we will not come in from recess it's the truly movement i i just put that guy in a
2: uniform sticking him in the military and and you you'll yeah. see uh, you know yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am probably yeah. wasn't the most conducive environment but i was the so guy funny. that said it was like why are we do it this way and and the worst answer i heard was cuz that's tradition or that's the way it's always been done i was like well that's that just seems silly and here i am in e nothing coming in you know with just opinions, uh, challenging, you know, hundreds of years of tradition, I had some really powerful people, especially middle leaders, I learned some great example from my supervisors just above me, that, that were often the, like the insulation from senior leaders, um, of, you know, how important middle management can be, of taking care of your people, Mm. You know, when your people may not have a voice for senior leadership, how important that middle management piece can be. I had some great people I worked for that were, you know, like just above me. They were first class petty officers. They were, you know, they were junior chiefs. They were, they were just, they were really amazing people. Um, And in a lot of ways, I owe them. I owe them where I am today because they kept me out of, of hot water from really expressing my opinions.
0: (laughs) right. Well, I, I'm
1: learning an awful lot, Jesse. Just even in this part. So we 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 get out of the military. What next? What did you do next?
2: I bought my first home while I was in the military, and and the person who sold it to me, uh, him and I became pretty close friends, and he eventually became like one of my best friends. And he uh, he he was a great salesperson. He said, you know, you should get your real estate license. You seem to have a really knack for talking to people. The greatest thing I did learn from from uh, meteorology and perhaps, be aviation weather is I learned um, when to really impress or influence somebody, um, and and I learned how to challenge a person's ego because there's no I mean, pilots pilots are amazing people, but I don't think you get to be a great pilot unless you have a chip on your shoulder and you probably have some ego, um, and I met a lot of a lot of people that that were that way and it's like hey I I feel like I could challenge the storm and and take a take an aircraft and you know pick my way through through a major you know uh storm system
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and being able to challenge that person influence that person say okay you know this is a really detrimental flight is that is 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 flying to your destination amongst you know through this storm really going to be worth putting you or your crew at life you know they're at jeopardy yeah mm-hmm. So so, so I, learned, get- I, think I learned from that. I learned how to how to influence people and really when to when to push in and when to back off from my military years. And so I think uh, I think Trevor really saw that as as a good, you know, that would transfer really well into the into the real estate industry or into sales. So he asked me, hey, you should, you should get real estate license. You're getting out of the military. I was going to go back to school. I was going to finish my, my college education. I'd done a lot while I was in the military and I was going to finish it. And he said, you know, get your real estate license. I said, no. And about five more times later, I still said no. And I don't remember sixth or 10th time. Uh, I said, sure, fine. Maybe. And I and I went and took a real estate classes and um, got my license. And then I started selling real estate and I did not do well. The one thing I learned is, um, like anything, is you can have great people around you. But if they're not interested in passing along their knowledge and skills and what they know to you, you're going to either have to go find it elsewhere, or you're going to need to surround yourself with people who do want to instill their, their level of mastery in you. I had the impression of what a real estate agent does in my mind or what sales are, uh, but I really had no foundation or, Hey, go do these three things. You know, the, it could have just been as simply as, Hey, every day, um, you need to go talk to people about real estate. And and, and what changed then
1: drew because that obviously didn't stay in the status quo. Cause what changed?
2: I had some mentors around me that taught me two really valuable lessons. And one of them was that, um, I, I met some I met some additional people that I eventually went into business with that, you know, I remember one said, uh, take a sign, take a take a sheet of paper, laminate it. And every day when you get home, before you walk in the door, fill it out. And it just said, today I offered my services to blank people. And that was a blank there with wow. a dry eraser marker. And he said, Every day you go home and he said, you ask yourself that question. Today I offer my services to blank people. And every day you put a zero, you're one step closer into going and getting another career. You need to clean up your resume. That's the day you go home and you work on your resume. And if you don't like working on your resume and that doesn't feel good to you, then then don't go home. Don't walk inside until you've done something to put a number there. So make a phone call. So I got where I was really, I would make phone calls uh, specifically to like expired sales or expired listings, if you know what those are. And I would do that on the way to the office and i do that on the way home. So I never put a zero. And that was, that was one wow. valuable lesson. The other one was from a, from a gentleman named Rick and Rick was kind of an old crotchety guy. been in real estate, you know, since like the dinosaurs and he, uh, he hated ties. I like, couldn't stand a tie, but every time I saw him in, in, uh, he was always wearing a, a sport jacket or a suit and a tie, but he would tell you he hated ties. And, and that was his affirmation. He said, you know, every day before he left the house, he put a cinch, he'd cinch his tie up and he knew how much he hated him. And he looked in the mirror and he said, "Someone's going to pay for this." And his mantra, or his <laughs> attitude was, he would leave his house and he wouldn't come home until somebody had financially paid him to wear that tie.
0: I love that, that motivation.
2: Awesome. I yeah. That's awesome. So that and that was Rick Irwin. Rick, if you're listening, you, I still remember those lessons, buddy. But um, so that just kind of became the attitude. So while I went into business with somebody that I I didn't learn a a great deal from, I'm thankful that he got me into this business. And then he introduced me to people that that ended up making an even even bigger impact. And so you were in sales for how long, Drew,
1: before you started coaching?
2: I was in sales for uh, going on 6 years. I was in sales for from 2003 so 2003 to 2008 I was I was specifically in sales. I still had, you know, a couple after that. In that 5 years? This is the pattern.
1: What did you do? What did you learn? What did you do? What did you learn? And that that's the pattern of the life story. And so because what I'm listening for as a leader if I were hiring you, I'm listening for uh, your, your thought processes. I am already I already know, number one, you've got a lot to say. You've learned a lot of wisdom. You're a renegade. You don't like compliance. I mean, you, you're giving me everything I need to know to make a great decision. So, Cloud, in that five years that you're in real estate sales, what do you think your biggest wisdom takeaway was?
2: Oh, just the resilience to keep going. You know the, the The fact that you can't really fail in business as an entrepreneur unless you quit. And I mean, there are days you just you know, like anything. There are days you just wake up and you don't want to do that today. But if you get up and you get up in spite of that feeling, you you just get up and keep going. And I and I read a really influential book, and it's one that I attribute so much of my success and my trajectory to. Because um, I remember exactly where I was. It was one of those pivotal like moments in your life. I, I was laying in bed. It was like ten thirty. I was feeling utterly like defeated. Um, I just gone back to get a a part-time job waiting tables. So I literally like trajectory wise. I'm like, all right, I was, uh, when I, when I joined the military, I wasn't in a great place. I was waiting tables. I was broke. I was not happy. So I joined the military six years later. I'm broke. I'm unhappy. I'm not succeeding. I'm not back to waiting tables. Wow. I've come a long way. (laughs) So I was I was not uh I wasn't feeling the best about myself and I reached over and I had a I had a like a glass of water sitting on a on a book that I'd been using as a coaster for like a year that a friend of mine had sent me. It was called The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. And mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, whatever, you know. So I grabbed it and I just I'm laying there. I'm not going to I'm not going to the office that day. I didn't have any reason to, uh, from my perspective. And I started reading that. And I think I got to the section where it said the buck stops here. You are where you are today, yeah. mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, and emotionally because of the decisions that you've made. And if you don't like where you are in life, your best thinking is what got you here. So that level of thinking is not likely to get you out of it. And I'll never forget those words. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in a position I don't like. I have come full circle in, in six years, and I'm exactly where I left off, only six years older so this level of thinking is clearly not working for me and as i continued to really dive in and just in in um just consume every word that he wrote and those seven key decisions i actually just sound cliché but i i took that information and just applied it to my life mm-hmm. and and i'm i'm forever grateful for andy for writing that book because that was probably the first time i'd ever heard language that resonated so much almost at my soul level because of just you cannot achieve anything if you're unwilling to accept responsibility for your own crap first Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and prior to that moment it was always somebody else's fault it was the teacher's fault it was the military leader's fault it was the navy's it was it was always somebody else's fault to that point and and it was that was opening those pages was like looking at a mirror and say yeah it's absolutely that guy's fault look closely see the reflection that's his fault yeah yeah
1: So Jesse, for the sake of time, as we we listen to Drew's fascinating life story, what do you hear? I mean, in in our co-host, what? and honestly, Drew still to this day is one of the top people that I refer the top business people in the real estate space, especially to coach with. He's one of the most thoughtful, thought provoking coaches I know. So hearing his story, what stands out to you? And Drew, you can't talk because this is just my time now to, to talk about you right in front of your face. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so whenever I'm interviewing someone, uh, whether we're going to get into business, and honestly, I do this in the dating world now too. It's the same exact thing. <laughs> but, but what I look for is what you're looking for. And so the pattern the pattern that I see, and I think this is so cool. I wrote down in my copious notes early on here, intelligence plus bad behavior equals boredom. And that's what uh, led us to the recess story. Right. And so I see a pattern of that. Like you were bored, you were bored again when you were waiting tables at the cracker barrel. That's why you joined the military. It's like, what I see is you seeking to beat this, this boredom for your, for your entire life and career. Right. It seems like boredom is a very, very uncomfortable and motivating situation for you. That's what popped out for me. Um, And I share that with you.
1: I think Jesse too, I think that that is Drew's genius is because he's allergic to boredom.
0: A hundred percent. He finds
1: ways to say things, package things, and look at things that aren't boring in his mind. And where maturity came in is the only way to mastery is to overcome boredom. I mean- Mastery of any subject is time on task over time, and it's boring. And it's this. Drew's been masterful at figuring out life hacks that he could make sure that he's not bored and master specific subjects. Because I think Drew has probably read every Brian Tracy book that's ever been written. I'm going to guess that, you know, he's probably re- about right, Drew. I mean, you wow, probably listen, read.
2: I don't even know how you nailed that so exactly. Like, did you read
1: that somewhere? Well, I, I hear you're like. I hear no I hear that in your language it's like you're Brian Tracy all over again so I'm gonna well, guess well, he's one of so, your well, what's so
2: fascinating is you picked that guy out and, and this is something you don't know so this is so weird and and um wow uncanny that it's, you would say it's that. because
1: because because I'm a master at this
2: Drew <laughs> well when I when I when I first really put my hat in the ring and I said I want to become a professional coach and and I was looking to apply for for various companies and say look you know uh, I have a degree in psychology my my focus is in human performance uh I have zero hours actually doing it or coaching another human being will you hire me no you know and I had just a wall of no's because you know you have to have experience to get experience <laughs> mm-hmm. um so so I remember a coach um a friend of mine his name's joel Rico he said okay well what would be your niche or your niche market pretty funny how you pronounce it and I said, I don't really have one. He goes, Well, he said, coaching is is so really hyper specific. And, and if you're and, and you gotta have a specialty if you're really going to succeed, or if somebody's gonna say, Well, why would I hire you if you're a generalist? Go get really hyper specific on one thing. And I chose uh because it's something I had really kind of worked on myself is is how do you master how you manage yourself with time? Well, I was like, Who's the expert at that? A guy named Brian Tracy. So I thought it would be a really interesting, you know, uh, niche market to dive into. So I read like 28 of his books. My goal was to read every book he had ever written, but I could only find like 28 of them still in publication. So like at one point in time, I was like, I feel like I'm the only guy that's ever read every book that he had published at the time. And I I think I got up to about 28. So it's so fascinating that you would say it's like Brian Tracy. I'm like, wow, that goes, that takes me way back.
1: it, it shows and so so if I'm interviewing Drew, Jesse just as the leader I'm listening to the 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 patterns the repeated things and you you picked up he's he's highly intelligent so he's going to be bored very quickly and I I don't know I'm not trying to open a can of worms I'm wondering if instead of and I know adD ADHD is a real syndrome but I'm wondering if some of it is just highly intelligent kids that just need to be stimulated intellectually versus given a pill I'd argue that's well, not my subject but I Yeah. And so so here's if I'm listening to Drew and I'm picking him up as a leader and I'm hiring him or going to this, I know that every two years, 18 months or so, I'm going to have to throw a grenade in our conversation so he's not bored. I know that he is going to always buck compliance systems that don't make sense. And I'm going to have to take the first 90 days to say, I get it. You're super yeah. smart and you're still going to follow my system for 90 days and then you could blow it up. But you're going to do it exactly this way over and over and over again. So you earn the right to question this system until you understand it. Don't quit. I already know everything that there is to be known. And this is also why I think the leader verse for Drew is an act of passion, is it because he sees authority and he questions authority. They, Thank goodness he wasn't alive in the late 60s because he probably would have been arrested multiple
2: times, right? <laughs> and so but I love it. I'll, I'll never forget though, is a is a is a is a chief walks on our operating floor when we or, or our operations floor and um and he had us he had us completely strip and wax a floor and I mean and clean it and polish it and get it perfect. And I'm not sure why that was done because the very next day it was they were coming in to completely rip it out and do a whole new one and uh I, and i remember walking up to him when that was in the process and they were like making this horrible mess i said wow i'm so glad we cleaned that yesterday that seemed like such a useful uh, moment of time energy and resources uh and the conversation just deteriorated rapidly as you can imagine from that point
1: oh I, I wonder why yeah <laughs>
2: But, you know, so many leaders say that they really want to be questioned, but then they don't know how to handle it. Uh, they they want input into how we can improve our systems and our processes and our companies and and make things better. But then then they struggle with now, how do I handle feedback or criticism and constructive criticism? And how do I take that person in it and encourage that rather than, you know, attempt to stomp it out and keep it silenced? Now, you guys get to go next week,
0: huh? I know. I'm gonna- yeah. I'll co-
2: we'll coordinate outfits. <laughs> I'll touch-